On episode 17 of the San Diego podcast, Nine Inch Nails' Alon Rubin gives us the inside scoop on Tom DeLonge's UFO obsession, Trent Reznor's no-nonsense professionalism, and why Led Zeppelin is the greatest band of all time. All that and more is next. Hello and welcome to the San Diego podcast. I am your host, Dustin Lutzbike, and with me via FaceTime today is Elon Rubin. How are you doing, my friend? Um, as good as I could be. How about you? <laughs> all things considered, doing all right. <laughs> For those who may not know, Elon is a native San Diegan uh, who's made a career out of being a better drummer and overall musician than pretty much anyone else in the room. While he's worked with a who's who of big rock bands over the years, he is the creative force behind his own band, The New Regime, which once headlined one of our own San Diego Live events uh, a few years back. And um, he's also known for being the drummer of Nine Inch Nails and Angels and Airwaves, among others. Did I leave anything out? Is there anything I'm kind of missing there? I think that's a good catch up. <laughs> how, are you, uh, how are you keeping busy these days? What have you been doing? Same old stuff, man. Doing a lot of music, writing, recording, messing around with musical toys. If there's anybody who's built for isolation, I think you're talking to them right now. <laughs> I know that uh, you've been keeping busy with the new regime. Um, you have a new record out, you know, Heart, Mind, Body, and Soul. I heard that it's kind of a collection of a, uh, a few EPs, like four song EPs that have come out. Is that correct? Kind of. I mean, the album was written and intended as an album, but considering it was 16 songs, we figured it would be best to kind of drip feed those as EPs throughout time rather than unleashing 16 songs upon a uh, a public with a diminishing attention span. <laughs> and those started coming out, I want to say, six to eight months ago. And then the culmination and the, the final EP, which kind of completed the entire album, came out, I believe, March 6th. So um, the worst timing. <laughs> but what can you do? Uh, you would think with, with everybody in lockdown that you know people would just be scrambling to find new music. Yeah, there's no shortage of that. <laughs> you know, uh, What can you do? Yeah. But... Uh, Something I'm very proud of. I think the album is great, and it's nice to finally see it out in the open. It's a nice feeling of um, satisfaction for it to see the light of day. And I hope people have been getting their ears on it. And yeah, I mean, uh, touring obviously ground to a halt, but it was good to be out while it was released and playing those songs live. And I'll have to continue that as soon as humanly possible, whenever it's deemed safe. Yep, yep, I heard that uh, you... Uh, you had a uh, tour lined up with Silver Sun Pickups, yeah. Yeah, we were out with them, and then about halfway through, it it came to a it ground to a screeching halt. <laughs> Man, that is uh, the worst. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it's obviously disappointing, but everybody is going through the same thing, and yeah, it is what it is. It is. It is. Um, speaking of of new work, um, Angels and Airwaves just released a new song. Uh, you know, time is an absolute blur to me at the moment, <laughs> but I know it was fairly recently. <laughs> it was uh, it was very recent. Yeah, uh, all that's left is love. That's a new single. Um, 
Tom DeLong says that the new album should be wrapped up very, very soon. Uh, how's it coming along? Well, um, it's coming along well in terms of when it's going to be released and completed. I mean, it's definitely doable. I just, I have a hard time commenting on anything schedule related right now. And I'm not going against what he's saying by any means. It's just difficult. I mean, let's say we finish the album in two weeks. Are there studios going to be open where we can record drums? Who knows? We're constantly sending sessions to each other back and forth and, and working on everything. So things have remained very productive. But in terms of the final pass of re-recording everything for the, you know, for mix and mastering, I hope we can get it done as soon as possible. Yeah, it uh, it seems like things with Tom... Um uh, I don't know exactly how to say it, but just kind of like when he feels like kind of doing them, like when he gets kind of something in his mind that he wants to do. Well, his friends from other worlds have helped him develop the bending of space time. So what could be years to us is merely minutes to him. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, you know, I am, I've been uh, covering uh, Tom's kind of fascination with uh, obsession with uh, extraterrestrial life and technology and stuff for (laughs) years now. And um, uh, where do you stand on uh, one to the stars Academy and two, do you believe in aliens? Um, I do now let's not, say that i'm in the obsessive group by any means because i'm not i'm fairly intrigued at best i find it fascinating i would find it very hard to believe that human beings on earth are the only intelligent life in the vast infinite universe that just seems beyond close-minded and extremely arrogant of mankind to think that um as far as what tom's accomplished i think it's amazing uh He's, he's surrounded himself with, with people whose credentials one cannot argue with. And I've, I've met a decent handful of these people at various shows on the couple of tours we did last year. And it's very impressive. I find it amazing, and anybody really should find it amazing, that he's been able to take this fascination or obsession, whatever you want to call it, and turn it into a driving force in his life. I think it's amazing. Uh, has he... Has he shown you any kind of like little secret little UFO stuff when you know <laughs> what was funny is very quickly you can get into a story that sounds so bizarre that you're kind of waiting for him to laugh at the end of it. Like, ah, I'm just, but it never goes there. <laughs> so the outer ring of the inner circle when it comes to his alien buddies. Like, <laughs> um, you know, we do a segment on this pod. Um, it's called the first four and it's where I ask you, f- I, I, I ask every guest basically the same four questions and they're about kind of the first musical things in your life that kind of helped shape who you are today. Sometimes I change around the, uh, the last question a little bit, but anyway, uh, it's called first four. Let's do that. What was the first band or artist that you ever really loved or obsessed about led zeppelin led zeppelin why is that well when i started playing drums long story short my dad thank god said to me well if you're gonna play drums you should listen to this 
gave me Led Zeppelin one, and I've been obsessed ever since. The rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> the the greatest four people to ever play music together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it's a great answer, and I mean, it makes all the sense in the world as uh, as a, from a drummer's perspective, from a musician's perspective. You know, Led Zeppelin is hard to. Play. Yes, you're absolutely right, and that's the thing. I mean, yes, I grew up obsessing over John Bonham, and he was my favorite, is my favorite. But as I learned other instruments and obsessed with those as well, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones became my favorites at their respective instruments. And the only thing about vocals that's difficult is um, you can either do that or you can't. I wish I could like Robert Plant. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little, it's kind of hard to do. It's a little hard to mm -hmm. do. <laughs> um, what was the first, I mean, and this may go back to Led Zeppelin, I'm not sure. What was the first album that you remember buying for yourself? I really don't know. And I say that because I um, I was given and gifted a lot of music for the first few years of my musical life from my, from my parents. And I recall a lot that was given to me. I mean, obviously the entire Led Zeppelin catalog was given to me by at least by the age of, of nine. But I remember getting wheels of fire by cream early on. I had been exposed in depth to the entire Beatles catalog, which that's another reason why it's a huge favorite of mine. Um, I do recall, I suppose my first big purchase. I'm, I've always been the type to, dive into entire catalogs and that may be because the things that i've gotten into have already passed long before i've gotten into them or just because i'm very thorough and in-depth but around the the sixth grade i imagine so i must have been 11 or forget 10 or 11 somewhere around there i developed an interest in the police and i remember buying the message in a box box set which was our catalog with B-sides and all of that good stuff uh, across four CDs. And that I recall being something that I saved up for and got. But I'm sure there was something before. I just, that's the first one that's that's coming to me. I mean, that's that's awesome, though. I mean, if it's the one that you remember, I mean, it obviously meant a lot. And that's, mm -hmm. that's rad. I think yeah. uh, mine, I think mine, I, I remember saving up for a really long time uh as a kid and and saving up for the uh melancholy and the infinite sadness because it was a double cd right so it was like twice as expensive as any other cd <laughs> yeah well I, I was just about to say that i recall the experience of having to order it because box sets back then at least when i it, i wasn't going to record stores all the time or sam goodies or warehouse or whatever used to exist I, did, I never recalled seeing box sets all the time. So it was something I had to order, and it felt like eternity waiting for it. <laughs> it finally arrived. That's so rad. Uh, I'll have to check that out. I have not heard that, but I have a couple of uh, police records, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely be checking out that box set. I love a little police mm -hmm. here and there. So, um, yeah. What was the first concert that you remember going to that you wanted to go to? That to me is a complete blur. I have no idea. <laughs> and I I suppose that may have been because 
I was already into music at a very young age and had been taken to concerts. So in terms of what the the first was, it's a complete blur. I really don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, that's all right. For people that have just been going to concerts their whole life, I'm sure it's just it's hard to pinpoint that, you know. Yeah, and especially having started playing music with my brothers and then being of that concert going age in high school or you know even when they were in college i would get taken to things quite often and i'm sure my parents took me to a couple things when i was younger that i that i don't recall but for those reasons i can't pinpoint it <laughs> okay that's all right that's okay we'll take it um uh last question what was the what's the first song that you would do at karaoke oh i mean it'd have to be something I've never done karaoke because I, I've never done it. I feel like I would take it way too seriously, which is not the point. So <laughs> oh, no. probably be a queen song of sorts. Maybe somebody to love. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great song to do though. I mean, that would be a great song, but the amount of alcohol it would take me to be carefree. I don't think it would do me any favors to be honest. <laughs> I mean, myself all the time. I was actually doing it last night at the piano, but <laughs> In front of people, a classic like that, I would take it way too seriously. <laughs> They'd be like, Elon's no fun at karaoke. He takes it way too serious. <laughs> Guaranteed. I would be remiss if I um, I didn't ask you about Nine Inch Nails. Um, uh, sure. I've, I've seen you perform with them twice now. I went to Vegas. I saw you guys out there. Um, on, on the on the last uh, 2018? Or on the, for some reason, we've played that venue in vegas so many times that it it's once again seems like a bit of a blur but it's always fun playing there i would think that all those shows were lined up just because so many people wanted tickets like there was just no other no other choice it just mm-hmm. kind of had to do that many shows <laughs> yeah well, the intent with that last tour was rather than doing a huge venue one night per city, it would be an interesting experience to do multiple nights in a smaller venue. So, I mean, I guess in terms of attendance, it kind of equals out to the same thing, but it's a more intimate experience and more dependent on just sheer quantity of music and variety of music as opposed to uh, production, although the production was still great. So, I mean, some people prefer big venues, I'd, I'd say that most people prefer something smaller. And when we're saying smaller, we're still talking about a few thousand people. Right. It wasn't the Casbah or something, you know. It was it was a big club. But um, for a band like Nine Inch Nails, I think it's a, a great experience for the the fan and the audience. And it was a, it was a really great run. And it's also cool as is the band to kind of settle into a city for half of a week or, or close to a week, and then move on. Yeah. It's cool. I enjoyed it. It was a good run. Was that um that was at the joint yeah at Hard Rock uh yeah okay so I, I was um yeah like you said everything is kind of a blur right now I'm just trying to place yeah. specific facts and stuff but um but yeah it was amazing and you know I had always kind of wanted to ask you and I don't I think the last time we spoke I don't know if I did or not but I've always kind of wanted to ask you like how did you land that gig uh, with Trent like what wh- how did that happen well. <sighs> summer of 2007 i was playing with another band at the time that was just before nine inch nails at the reading and leaves festivals and a friend of mine who i'm still friends with and i'm business partners with and a drum company called key drum co 
had worked with Nine Inch Nails for a long time and recommended to Trent that he watch his buddy, me, play. And unbeknownst to me at the time, and shockingly looking back, he actually took him up on it and watched me play. And a year later, Josh Fries announced that he was leaving Nine Inch Nails for whatever reason, and I received an email from Trent, and here we are 11 years later. Wow. Well, that is amazing. I, you know, one of the things that, um, I've, uh, you know, he's, he's got a reputation for being this kind of perfectionist, uh, very professional. Um, mm -hmm. and I've heard that you, you've said that you really appreciate that environment. Uh, you know, when you, I th I read an interview where you were saying that when you started playing with the band that you, you were like, this is unlike any other band that I've really been in. This is like a setting that like, I really thrive in. This is something that I really appreciate. And I think that's really cool. Um, you know, professionalism and musicians are not two things that always go hand in hand. In fact, I'd say it's more rare than not. And I genuinely felt that when I showed up to day one of rehearsal, it was just like, ah, this is the sort of environment that I'm meant to be in. Because I've always just felt, I mean, I don't mean this to sound arrogant or whatever you want to call it but i always felt kind of held back in other things or that things were not reaching their their full potential everything took too long things weren't taken seriously enough and yeah everything's fun and meant to be fun but to me having fun actually goes hand in hand with doing well and accomplishing something yeah and really the the things that i just said were the reason why i started the new regime with any other band that i play with it just always felt like people had other priorities things took too long i didn't feel productive enough and i just felt like if i were to do everything myself i could get a lot more done i'm not i'm not, I'm not sort of uh romanticizing in any way it's just it's easier i mean uh, for sure it's got to be easier you know uh working on your own stuff doing it at your own pace and doing everything the way you want it done yeah true and the the point about the pace is that my pace is faster and with bands, when you have three to four other people to deal with, and hey, for the bands who make it work, all the best to them. That's fantastic. And I'm not saying I'm not capable of making it work. I'm just saying that up until Nine Inch Nails, the experience was very frustrating and irritating. I have uh, another segment that I'd like to play with you real quick. We have a, a trivia game. It's only three questions long. It's called the uh, A or B side. I give you three questions. I give you uh, two possible answers. So you, it's 50-50, so you got a pretty good chance of getting them right. Fail or pass, got it. <laughs> I kind of uh, give each game a little theme, like a particular theme each week, depending on who I'm talking to. And with you... Uh -huh. Uh, I've decided that this week's theme is all about bands you've played with. So, uh, this should be interesting. <laughs> in 2008, before you were in the band, Angels and Airwaves performed a USO concert for U.S. Marines on a special episode of a popular TV show on the CW. What was the name of that show? A, One Tree Hill, or B, Roswell, New Mexico? I don't know the answer. I mean, I'm. I would venture to say Roswell because of the obvious 
connection, but I feel like you may be tricking me with that. Let's go to One Tree Hill. You are correct. It is One Tree Hill. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. You know, they were both shows uh, that were on the CW. You'd think that Tom might have a have a kind of a cool thing with uh, Roswell, New Mexico, but but apparently One Tree Hill was the show. Um, I thought that was All right. funny. Uh, you're one for one, so you're doing well. Uh, number two, just recently, the band Fantagram released their new album, Ceremony, and you play drums on its title track. Very cool. When they first started playing, though, they were not named Fantagram. What was their original name? A, Harmony Lodge, or B, Charlie Everywhere? I have no idea. Um, all right, let's flip the coin. Let's go with B. You're correct again. You can't lose. You know, considering you gave me uh, the answer was A on the first one, I figured I'd go with B on the second one. So the the odds are stacked against me on this third one. Yeah, who knows what the third one's going to be. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah, uh, you're correct. Charlie Everywhere was their name. They released two EPs uh, under that name, and then they changed it. Um, well done. Okay, two for two. Third and final question. Number three. In 2009, Nine Inch Nails released an album on April Fool's Day that supposedly featured guest appearances by Bono, Jay-Z, and Coldplay's Chris Martin. It was all, of course, a big joke uh, by Trent. What was the name of that album? A, Bleed Through, or B, Strobe Light? Strobe Light. You were correct again. You're perfect. <laughs> that one was a um, that that I don't know why that was in the back of my head somewhere. I never would have gotten it, but the multiple choice something just tickled the back of my brain there. <laughs> well, let me. I know you got to go, so um, you did great. You got three out of three correct. You are a trivia champion. Thank you so much. Hell yeah! I feel like you should go get a lottery ticket or something. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Well, we don't have to tell you, San Diego music fans, that the coronavirus pandemic has put a halt to live music. Sadly, with no live performances to cover, we have to tell you that no shows for you also means no more shows for us. After a run of 323 original episodes over 8 years and 17 seasons, San Diego TV will air its last broadcast the night of June 27th. Time now, then, to let members of our San Diego squad share their favorite memories and say farewell before we sign off. Hi, everyone. Dave Solani here. I just want to say thanks for supporting San Diego for the last eight years, 323 episodes coming to you on Late Night TV on NBC7. Um, saw a bunch of great concerts. met a lot of great people. Interviewed some really amazing artists and musicians and uh, couldn't have done it all without you being there watching us on late Saturday nights or early Sunday morning, depending on what your schedule was. But uh, we've moved on and hopefully in the future, when we get back to going to concerts, hopefully I'll see you on about a show in San San Diego, be sure to say hi. All right, you guys take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Piles for San Diego one last time. Thank you so much for the support over the years. I've had so much fun hosting our events and interviewing so many great artists like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, the Jesus and Mary Chain, the Fall, Misfits, Anthrax, gosh, Slayer. 
really the list goes on and on. And uh, I can't thank Eric Page and the crew of San Diego enough for the great experience. I had a lot of fun, and I hope to see you all again. You know you can find me at the Casbah pretty regularly or listen to Loudspeaker on 91X. We'll all be back at it doing something again real soon. And thank you again for supporting San Diego. What an amazing part of San Diego music history. Thanks again. I'm out. I'll see you at the Casbah. What's up, y'all? This is Jay Smith, a.k.a. 1019 for San Diego. This is a podcast. Just want to say thank you for everybody that um, that ever messed with anything that I was doing. You know what I mean? Anybody that uh, tuned in, checked me out. Um, anybody that ever read anything I wrote. You know, all the artists I was able to talk to that spoke with me, talked with me, sat with me. You know, um, was able to interview. I had uh, a lot of fun participating and contributing um to what uh what what was taking place in san diego so i just thank everybody you know what i mean just thank everybody for uh for the opportunity for 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 the uh for the eyes you know um yeah i'll still be around so check me out you know what i mean i'll see y'all at the next stop peace hi everyone this is eric page probably a name and a voice you don't recognize and that's no accident I've been the lucky, lucky person who was the executive producer of San Diego TV since day one. No week went by that I didn't learn something from our crazy great crew. So thanks to our hosts, Dave Solani, and all of our on-air contributors, both in front and behind the camera. Too many favorite moments to count, of course, but it's been a gift to see San Diego talents like Andrew Day and the guys from the Frights launch their careers, watching their passions and hard work pay off. So thanks, too to all the local artists that made the show happen, to all the hardworking club operators and employees, to all of you music fans for watching all these years, and to our longtime associate editor, Dustin Ledgepike, and associate producer, Sean Monzette. This pandemic has made many pay a price higher than this, of course. While it's hard closing shop, it's easier when you don't have to say goodbye. So instead, I'll just take a page from Pyle's book and say, I'll see you at a show. Hey, everyone, it's Dustin. It's a sad day. I've been lucky enough to work at San Diego for nearly seven years, and it's tough to see the TV show coming to an end and the podcast going on indefinite pause. I began my time here as a local musician who blogged about bands I liked every so often, and since then have grown into my role as a music journalist and more recently, podcast host. I'd like to thank San Diego for giving me those opportunities and trusting in me and allowing me that room for growth. I've been able to talk to a lot of my musical idols over the years, and there's never been a dull moment. Three of my favorite memories are telling Chino from the Deftones about the time I auditioned for my very first band with one of his songs, hearing Bill Walton absolutely gush over the Grateful Dead, and getting Greg Allman's favorite smoothie recipe during an interview. I hope that someday in the future, we'll see each other again. For all our listeners, be sure to visit thenewregime.com for news and music and tour dates when they're uh, announced. And um, please go listen to the new album, Heart, Mind, Body, and Soul. You will not regret it. For behind-the-scenes notes on this episode, visit sandiego.com. And for even more musical goodness, be sure to catch San Diego TV on NBC7 at 1.30 a.m. on Saturday night. And to wrap up the show, we're closing with our Spotlight Artist of the Week. Who else? The New Regime and the title track from their new album, Heart, Mind, Body, and Soul. Definitely go check it out at their website or anywhere music is streamed or sold. Now, signing off for the San Diego Podcast, I am Dustin Lutzbike, 
And to everyone listening, stay safe and enjoy the music.